I always wanted to be a writer ever since I was a kid. I remember writing for fun at the age of nine. Uh, but I grew up in my teenage years wanting to be a songwriter and a kind of singer-songwriter. That's all I really wanted to be. I had no interest in writing for theatre until I went to university where all this, I've said this several times now, but it's true, all the most attractive girls at York University where I did a history degree all wanted to be actors. And in a pathetic and misguided and ultimately entirely fruitless way uh, of getting to meet these girls, I went to watch them in their dreadful student productions of The Cherry Orchard or The Real Inspector Hound and fell in love with the potential of the medium. There's a handful of plays right at the start of my career when I started off knowing very little. I just had characters and I had maybe a location. Play, uh, there's a play I wrote called Christmas where I knew I wanted to set it in a decrepit pub in the East End and I knew who was in it and I just wrote. There's a play I wrote called Bluebird about a taxi driver and it was done in the same way. And then you write and write and write and write and write and shape the play out of what you've written. And then I had a conversation with a man called Dominic Cook who's just left uh, his post as being the artistic director of the Royal Court. And he wasn't when I had this conversation. He was associate director there. He said to me, your problem, Simon, is you write too well. And I remember thinking it was a very curious problem for a writer to have. And what he meant, of course, was my plays might have a kind of linguistic energy to them, but they're very badly structured. The narrative was very badly structured what the characters were doing to each other rather than saying was really unclear. And from then I changed my process so that the last thing I did was write. And I'd spend months planning plays and then write very, very, the very last thing. Uh, and there's about 10 years worth of plays written that way. And now, just now, just recently now, I'm going back to how I used to write. Having done 10 years of structured work, I'm going back to riffing. Somebody said to me once that sometimes plays are like turtles and they're turtles which are perfectly alive and lithe and healthy but they're on their backs, kicking their little legs and moving nowhere. And all you need to do sometimes is just flip them over and sometimes they scuttle along. And that's what happened with Port, a play that I thought was about going home, I realised was about leaving home. And a play that I thought was about a man, I realised was about a woman and then a play which took me six months of agony was written in three weeks. Port is a play about a girl called Rachel Keats. She's a girl from Stockport, which is my hometown, a suburb of Manchester. Uh, and the kind of uh, eight of the key moments in her life as we watch her grow up and fall in love and try and leave her hometown and make sense of uh, her family and her mother and her brother. And it's about family and it's about identity and about a girl trying to make sense of who she is. Weirdly, the theatre, which is one of the oldest of the art forms, only uh, performed verse and painting uh, older, has finds itself in a position, without changing a great deal, of being, I think at the moment, one of the most radical art forms. If you think about what is involved in going to the theatre, you go and you sit in a room full of people largely you don't know. The likelihood is you sit next to somebody you've never met before. You sit next to a stranger and you share the space, you share the room with actors as they play out a narrative in time. You've got to turn your phone off. 
or if it goes off, you're going to look like an idiot and be embarrassed. You've got to turn your phone off. You've got to turn your Twitter off. You've got to turn your Facebook off. You've got to turn your email off. You've got to sit in a room full of people you've never met before. You've all got to look in the same direction and watch people perform live. Sometimes the performances are boring. Sometimes they're massively challenging and frightening and thrilling. They're built on the wonderful things that human beings are capable of doing. It's like a synthesis of live music, and sport, and great movies, all together with a, in, in a small room with other people. It's never been more urgent and never more radical. Anybody starting writing needs to be aware that they're not in isolation. And it's a good thing to talk to their mates who are writing as well about what they're doing. It's not that they're going to be stealing ideas. My peers don't steal my ideas. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, never, I never worry about that. We inspire one another. You know, we support one another. And, and, and anybody starting writing should nurture those support. Shakespeare didn't generate the idea of the story of Hamlet. And until very recently, the idea that you were going to originate your own story would have been thought arrogant to the point of absurdity. I think it's a really healthy thing for writers of all ages to read a lot, to go and see a lot of movies, see a lot of TV drama, see a lot of pictures, go to the galleries, come to the theatre. I get a lot of energy from music. I, got a, I, get, I get a lot of energy from looking at visual art. You know, I'll, look, I'll go and look at some painting or for some photography and kind of ask uh, the, the stuff that excites me, the work that excites me, I'll ask of that. What is it about that that's exciting me and how can I use that in drama? So with Port, it was the photogra photographs of the American photographer William Eggleston. He did this amazing, amazing thing where he would take photographs of, you know, fire extinguishers or chairs or lights or whatever. But the way he framed them was just beautiful. And I thought, how can you make the banal look beautiful in drama? And that's what I wanted to do with Port. This country is full of people who want to be writers, who might even think of themselves as being writers, and they never actually write. So write. That's important. Give yourself 10 minutes. Write with a kitchen timer or a timer on your phone. Time 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, write a list of 51 things you know about that character. Get to 51, do it in 10 minutes. Write very quickly, don't think too much. Look back over it, not all of it will be useful, but some of it will really surprise you. And I do exercises like that all the time to make my characters really alive. It's important to be aware of who you are, it's important to think about who you are, it's important to nourish that all the time. But don't underestimate the importance of making stuff up. Because sometimes the stuff that we make up, weirdly, is more truthful than the stuff we think we've experienced. Every decision that you, you, you make in the making of a play uh, will affect the politics that you're dramatising. You don't need to make political speeches. It's not just in the things that characters say to one another that the politics of a play is defined. Um, it's in the images that you put on stage. It's in the world that you choose to show. For me, with Port in Manchester, particularly, suggesting that lives of people living in Manchester then are worthy of drama was a political gesture. And the fact that it was Stockport, not the centre of Manchester, and the fact that it was that particular area of Stockport, Lancashire Hill, that it was working class kids, putting work, making, making the heroine of a drama, a working class girl from Stockport,
growing up from age 11 to 23, regardless of what she says or thinks or does, that's political. You need to sit down in a room and not know what you're going to do and you just start. But at some point, you need to decide who's in this play, what do they want, what's stopping them from getting what they want and what do they do in order to get it, where are they and when are they. And the answer to all those questions is as political as what do they think about cuts to the welfare budget.